You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations. Welcome back to Napa Valley College Now here on NapaBroadcasting.com. My guest today, Jennifer Maturina Taylor, is a documentary filmmaker. In many ways, her work is unique in that her stories revolve around not just topics like many documentaries, but spring from the intricate lives of characters living out real life in some of our toughest neighborhoods. Her company is called Specific Pictures because she believes that in the specific, in the nucleus of lives lived, we can see the whole world, just as poets tried to see the world in a grain of sand. She's also on the forefront of understanding how her obsession with photos and video contribute to a broader conversation about what we see and what is real. She showed some of her work at Napa Valley College as part of the Photo Eye program, and it is my pleasure to welcome Jennifer Monterina-Taylor here to the program today. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. Great to have you here. First of all, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the documentary film business. Well, it was a little bit of an accident. I had wanted to be a dancer uh, when I was young, and my knees blew out, and I had to find something else to do. Uh, I had never been particularly interested in film growing up, although I did love television, uh, especially things like Charlie's Angels. Um, What I discovered after I had to stop dancing was that film has movement in it and it's kinetic and it's exciting and brings together many of the same elements that dance does. Uh, So I started getting interested in the form and basically went on a a long journey of on-the-job training to become a filmmaker. And did you know early on that you wanted to do documentaries or you just knew that you wanted to be a filmmaker? I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I knew I wanted to do things um, that would blend, I guess, real life and certain elements of fantasy sometimes. So a lot of the first films I made were very silly. They were dance-based or they were music films. But the more I started learning the craft, the more I started seeing that if you could bring a a really strong aesthetic sensibility to telling stories about real people, perhaps you could engage audiences in the same way that they might be engaged in a fiction film. Mm Because you started out, in in a broad sense, interested in, in the form, how did that influence the kind of work that you initially wanted to do and even the work that you do now? Because in many ways, the form is very much a part of it, not only in telling the story, but also in the emotional resonance that you're trying to bring to it. Yeah, sometimes I feel a little selfish because... Um, I'm deriving, I think, maybe more pleasure and interest from making the work than maybe the people who are participating on camera. Um, I just love that moment of engagement where you're creating something with a participant in your film or a character or a subject. I think of it as a deeply collaborative moment. And it's almost the same kind of beautiful moment of creation I used to feel when I would dance. Um, something is being created together in this particular moment, and fortunately, we're capturing it on, on film. There's also this sense of, of documentary in, in your work is documentaries that are character-driven, and, and that's pretty unique. I mean, we see documentaries, a lot of them, that are subject-driven, not so much plot-driven, but they're about something. They're there to make a point or to tell a story. The idea of character-driven documentary is really a unique space. It is. It is. Unfortunately, as the documentary industry has has grown um, and really moved into a lot of new platforms over the last maybe 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of room for the character-based documentary that's opened up. But I think that there, 
it's a really important distinction between making something that's topic-driven, where you might be making an argument or you might be doing sort of a survey about here. here's the set of themes. Mm-hmm. It's a really different prospect from let me work with a central character or set of characters and almost shape the same kind of arc in their story that you would find in a fiction film. Of course, in documentary, the hard part is you have to do that out of material that you can't predict. And one of the things that you've added into the equation is real footage and an appreciation of all of the photos and all of the videos that people take in their lives no matter where they're living, whether they're in, in, in poor neighborhoods, Latino neighborhoods, white neighborhoods, that everybody's obsessed with, with filming everything now. Yes, and I think I think in some ways it does a couple of things. One is, um, as a filmmaker... Um, who's interested in people's real lives and how they articulate themselves, the the kind of user-generated content, the stuff that people are shooting on their cell phones, uh, on their iPads, whatever, um, is a way for them to bring their own shape into the story and kind of give it more authenticity or more resonance with their experiences. It's also a way to get access sometimes to material that you can't get otherwise. Um, right. You know, in my new film, Daisy and Max, there's a scene where you actually watch the main character's baby be born because they filmed that and let us have access to the footage. Something, of course, that would have not really been open to me and a, and a crew. Uh, you know, sitting there with our big camera filming. So I think it becomes a, a way in to access how people want to see themselves and how they share their own selves. Um, and it's also part of what we're all doing, no matter what socioeconomic bracket we're in or or particular culture we're, we're in in our society. It seems to be something we're all doing. We're all documenting our lives. I wonder how that impacts, though, our lives in general, because in fact, particularly for younger people, but even some older, that you're always on, whether you're on Facebook or whether you're on video or there's always somebody shooting a picture or something, so that you're always on and whether that has an impact in in what you do and how you do it, or after a while you just become immune to it and and everybody's doing it and there's no sense of of being self-aware about it. You know, I have a feeling that if, if this is part of, you know, if you're a digital native, if you're somebody, you know, probably 25 or under, I, I would imagine there's a lot less self-consciousness than, than folks who might be older for whom this, this wasn't how we were growing up. Um, as a filmmaker, it is one problem, I think, that you need to now negotiate, which is that you're, the people that might be in your films are, A, very sophisticated about their own media making and sometimes even might have a better sense of framing or aesthetics than you do. I mean, I've, I've now been working with, you know, people like some kids I worked with a couple of years ago in South L.A. who'd be like, well, we don't want this to look junky. You know, how are you going to make this look really good? So the bar is really high. And I do think also we have to be aware that people know how to perform. And especially like the tropes of reality TV Mm -hmm. have entered the documentary realm. So it's a challenge to get people sometimes to become unaware that there's a camera. How has the fascination with reality TV, and, and it seems to be in its descendancy to a certain extent, how's that affected the kind of documentaries that that you see that you do? That's a good question. I think that reality TV has, of course, it's the most unreal 
thing there is. Um, in in some respects, you know, the, right. the the character arcs are very manufactured. I understand. You know, there's there's probably a lot more manipulation of how people behave than than what gets seen. Um, I think reality TV has had some effect on the the more sort of what would you call it, traditional documentary world, in pushing documentary makers to look for really exotic subjects. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's been a tendency in the documentary realm, I do feel I've seen films that have been influenced where where they are seeking more extreme behavior or more extreme conflict. Um, So I think that that's probably been an unavoidable aspect of reality TV. Maybe the good that's come out of reality TV has been this realization that regular, old, ordinary people can have fascinating stories. Talk about that in the context of your current film where reality, as in real life, intervened and you had to change the whole concept and context of what you were doing. Yes, I started uh, making a film for Al Jazeera America about a really interesting couple named Daisy and Max who met and fell in love during during their uh, work time in South Los Angeles, uh, where they work with young people who have been in gangs or are in danger of becoming involved in gangs, they work to intervene to get them out of gang life or at least to mitigate the violence that happens. Um, you know, as as disputes grow among gang members. Um, and I was going to make a film about how they do this really interesting, but sometimes dangerous and certainly emotionally draining work how they do that work while they also balance being parents of a young daughter, five-month-old child. And just before we started filming, um, Max, who who does have a gang past, basically his past came up and intervened in their lives in a very dramatic and horrible way. Um, and the film went completely off track. And fortunately, we were able to follow the story. But essentially, his past came back to haunt them. And Daisy had to pick up the pieces and try to keep her family going. And we followed that story. And you had to restructure that and and really change the whole idea of the film in some way. We did, because four days before we were going to start production, you know, she called me and said, this terrible incident has happened, and I don't know what to do. And I just jumped in the car, and we just started filming. Fortunately, the folks I'm working with at Al Jazeera America are good journalists and good producers and said, follow the story where it goes. And I think we ended up with a story that's much more intriguing and probably gives you insight into the world of people who really are putting their lives on the line to prevent violence from spreading in in communities like South Los Angeles. Maybe in some respects a more, quote, real story in the sense that events overtook the people in my film so dramatically, so almost cataclysmically, that they got laid very bare. Mm-hmm. There was no chance for performing. In doing these kind of films, how much are you thinking about the impact, the emotional impact, as well as the intellectual impact, but more the emotional impact that this is going to have on, on people seeing it? And and to what extent is that a part of what you're thinking about as the filmmaker? That's probably the, the thing I'm thinking about the most. Um, I, I try not to over-intellectualize my work, although I do work also as a university professor, and so there are moments where I have to couch things in very intellectual terms. But I consider my work to be profoundly about emotions, and about emotions that we all share. Um, So in making the new film Daisy and Max, for example, all I can think of are, how do I transmit 
the the experience that these folks are having that will be very alien to a lot of people. A lot of us don't know about what is it like to have been in a gang or to have our sister murdered, which is what happened to Daisy in her youth, or to live in a neighborhood where this kind of violence is so endemic. But we're all children of parents. Many of us are parents of children. We're all people who love our families and love our communities. And those are the things I try to tap into when I make films. And a lot of times I think, how can I make, you know, someone's experience translate to somebody else who has no obvious relation or connection to their experience and yet can still connect to them Mm -hmm. as people. And part of the way you've talked about trying to do that is really to get even more up close than than you might expect to really, you know, really hone in on on the the most specific parts of, of individual lives. Yes, yes. And part of doing that is by spending a lot of time with people. Part of the way that I work is I also try to create very trusting relationships off camera as well as on camera. I work with really extraordinary professionals with uh Currently, I've been working on several projects with a director of photography who's just an extraordinary person as well as an extraordinary artist. So we build a, we try to build a sense of trust and teamwork among both the people on the crew as well as the participants in the film. And then by also accessing the media that folks are generating themselves, if they're open to letting me see, well, what are the photos or the videos you have on your cell phone? Can I build a scene with that? Um, it gives them a sense, I think, of maybe co-authorship with me and certainly lets us into moments that they've decided to film themselves. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other things that you're working on right now? Well, right now I'm working on... You mentioned on, Daisy and Max. That's right. So Daisy and Max, I'm actually still just finishing that um, prior to its... Uh, it'll be uh, broadcast this fall on Al Jazeera America. Um, so I'm finishing up the sound work and I have a, a composer who's doing fantastic work on a, an original score that will be adding to the sound mix in the next few weeks. And then I'm going to be doing a short film um, soon this summer about a a jazz musician and her husband. Um, Nothing thematically related to the work Mm -hmm. I've been doing recently, more just sort of something to enjoy ourselves and explore two great artists and their moments of creation. And then I'm working on a follow-up to Daisy and Max about uh, gang intervention and violence prevention work in Central America. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be focusing on the former deputy mayor of Los Angeles, who has now been taking a really interesting gang violence prevention model to Central America, in part because, as he says, Los Angeles exported a lot of this problem. So right. somebody needs to clean it up. Right before it comes back again. Exactly, exactly. Well, I thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Appreciate Thanks. It. Jennifer May Torina Taylor. And so the um, Daisy and May will air when? When should people be looking uh, for Daisy it? and Max will be on Al Jazeera America. Daisy and Max, I'm sorry. Daisy and Max will be on Al Jazeera America uh, September 13th. Uh, so for folks who have access to Al Jazeera America on their cable package, it's um, going to be, I think, a really interesting program. And then it will be available on Video On Demand. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming in and being here with us. Thank you. You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.